Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is the podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. I'm Youngmi Mayer, your host. Every week, I try to get a guest on to share a sad story, and then we try to laugh about it in hopes that hair will grow out of their butthole. This week, I am doing a solo episode again, and I know that I just did one last week, but I have a lot of thoughts because... You know, if you've been listening, you know that I spent a month in Thailand on vacation. I had a lot of fucking guilt and shame about that because I just felt like, why am I taking a vacation? I don't deserve a vacation. I'm a mom and I don't do enough and I don't make enough money. And who am I to fucking have fun, right? Those are all my feelings going into the vacation. And I mean, I'm going to be very honest with you. I needed it because upon returning, I realized how fucking hard my life is and how much work there is. And so this episode, I'm going to discuss my relationship with work. And by work, I don't mean the traditional definition of work that we have, which is a job that you do to make money. Um, But I'm going to discuss all the adult responsibilities that you know, obviously I have as a fellow adult and the things that other people get paid to do that I do for free, also known as motherhood and my relationship to how I feel about it and the problems with how I feel and think about it and what keeps coming up And this is just like a huge part of my life right now. And I feel like this is just a discussion that might be helpful for people to hear, you know, if you are a parent or if you're somebody that identifies as a workaholic or if you're just somebody that lives in 2023 that for some reason now we're expected to always answer our emails 24-7 and there is no real break is, that, is everyone else living like that? Because that's my life. If any of that seems relatable to you, you might be interested in listening to this episode. Um, so, you know, like I was discussing, and if you heard last week's episode, I was talking about going on vacation. I went on vacation for a little over 20, I think 23 days. And right before I left, I was like riddled with guilt and shame about taking a vacation because I had all these like guilty feelings, you know, like being away from my kid and is he going to be sad? And but I think the overwhelmingly strong thoughts that I had surrounding that were that I don't deserve a vacation because I don't work hard enough and I don't earn enough, right? And I want to talk about this thought and that relationship I have to thinking that I don't work enough, specifically in this episode, because I had this very big realization in therapy recently. And I think this is this might ring true to a lot of people. Okay, so when I think about the ideas of work, like the traditional idea of doing a job to get money, I 
obviously I'm very hard on myself because as somebody that does comedy and, you know, has like a creative career, if anyone does that as well, you'd know that it isn't always the most financially fulfilling path (laughs) and you're always sort of scrambling for the next project or the next gig that will pay you or you know give you exposure which you know has never meant anything for me personally and it's just kind of like a constant panicky search for something that's going to sustain you financially And because of the nature of that kind of work and the lack of stability in terms of finances, I always feel like I'm not doing enough, right? Like I just don't, I'm not making enough money. I have to like really like push myself to do other projects to bring additional income in. And I'm always sort of teetering on the edge of complete and total financial ruin And I'm sure that's going to ring true for a lot of people, especially even if you're not in a creative field, but if you work in like freelance and your um, money depends on a flow of very like uh, spontaneous and unpredictable jobs to come in. So because of that sort of instability on where my next paycheck is going to come from, that was like probably a big feeling a big issue with me thinking that I had the like it like it just felt like really irresponsible for me to go on vacation even though weirdly a lot of things that I do I can just do while on vacation because I'm just using my computer and I can do it remotely that was like a big factor in me feeling guilty obviously like I said the motherhood thing was a big factor in me feeling guilty Also, there's this horrible thing I think that happens to comedians, I know for sure, but I'm sure other entertainers where wherever you travel in the world, you're like, maybe I can jump on a comedy show and do a fucking 10 minute set. And and like wherever you are in the world, you're like, maybe I should like look into a comedy club in this area and, you know unleashed to the unsuspecting poor population of this city (laughs) my horrendous uh comedic stylings but um like I feel like a lot of comedians that I know if they go somewhere they'll always try to squeeze in a few gigs and I absolutely was like I'm not going to do any of that I'm going to try to take a true vacation and so all those feel you know I, I would like teeter back and forth between like am I should I be doing that should I be like trying to progress my career but ultimately I didn't do any of that and I, I truly had just like a break and then I was like I I am glad that I set this boundary for myself but in all honesty I was spiraling about not working hard enough um but let me start by discussing my relationship to the work that is um, known, I guess, as domestic labor that traditionally women would have to do throughout history and was never really considered something that was valuable in terms of money because, you know, I don't even think this is necessarily true because I think if we're, you know, like those people that are really big on traditional marriages and families. They're always like, oh, men used to work for money and women would do domestic labor. And that's the most solid, great, 
way that a family could be set up and society falling apart right now is because of women wanting jobs or, you know, like those like horrible misogynist men will say something like that. But I, I don't really even think that's true because I think for most of human history, it was just everybody doing all these little odd jobs constantly. Do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, somebody, if let's, let's think of like a farm scenario <laughs> or, or should we do farm or, or caveman? You know, the, I feel like those are the two Joe Rogan uh, scenarios that he only, he always refers to like far. Okay. Farm scenario. Let's go. Farmer man, you know, gets up why uh, the wife milking the cow, making breakfast, the farmers, I don't know what, what's he doing? Hoeing some wheat. I don't know. And then he comes home and butchers the fucking cow and the wife cleans the guts and the, the eggs and the the, and then and then like the kids are being watched together it's like two people doing all of the work slash what you would even call domestic labor right like two people just working in a unit and also caveman scenario same thing right women gathering all the fruits and nuts and stuff like that you know i think we all saw that that uh article that just came out that said most uh, humans uh, survived off the gathering of nuts and berries that women did because the men, you know, hunting, they would only catch a big, like, animal every few months or something. So it was mostly just nuts and berries and then uh, fucking, what, what's a mammoth? The, those elephant, the ma- is that what it's called? Mammoth? Every year, once a year, you know? Um, but it was like equal, like everyone sort of did everything. And I, I mean, that's like my perspective. I think that's what it was more about, like everybody doing a lot of work all the time, um, rather than a man hunting and a woman like just sitting in the cave watching the child, you know what I mean? And so I don't even think that's accurate, but anyway, but because of this idea that women have to stay home and do domestic labor and watch children and do cleaning and cooking and men have to go quote unquote, earn a living and do a a real job that makes real money. You know, there's been recently a long history of women just not being paid for the work that they do. And, you know, obviously we all know that because of this work, it's what made it possible for men to go out and quote unquote, earn the living. But because of that history, even though, you know, I intellectually know that that's not fair because obviously all domestic labor is actual work. And if I was going to ask somebody else to do it, I would have to pay them, right? Like a nanny or a cook or a cleaner. Even though I know that intellectually that that's not true and it is valuable and it is hard work, whenever I'm doing it, you know, taking care of my child, cooking and cleaning, um, let's say I, I was doing it for like four hours and then I sent my son to school I will sit there in my room and be like, why am I tired? Because I haven't done anything all day. And I kept thinking that way. And it's really fascinating because if I, again, if I asked somebody else to do it, I would have to pay for four hours of childcare, you know, $80 or $100 to a nanny or a babysitter for four hours of housework. I would have to pay something similar to a house cleaner. If I had somebody come cook for me, it would be, you know, whatever, like, I don't even know how much a a private chef costs because I can't afford that. But like, I don't know, $100 an hour. So for that amount of work, I would have had to pay two, $300. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's a, 
it's weird because I did all this work and in the real world, it, it actually costs money. But in my head, I think because of a lot of like internalized misogyny and the this belief that I think as a woman, I'm just supposed to do all that. And that's just the baseline. I will come home after or I'll like come home after dropping off my son and think I didn't do anything this morning. You know, meanwhile, I've been up. I've been up since like 530 doing a bunch of things. Um, and because of this sort of internalized misogynistic idea that I have that all this domestic labor is valueless and when I do it, it doesn't mean anything. I find myself being like, oh, I'm so tired and thinking, wow, I'm so lazy because I haven't done anything. And that becomes a huge problem because then when I'm sitting, you know, at my desk ready to do the work that actually brings in money, I'm like, wow, I just want to sit here and take a nap. And I'm so lazy. I can't even do this one project that takes probably two or three hours. And then I'm sitting there judging myself being like, you know, why am I so lazy? And then eventually I do get the project done because I fucking need to. But then like the entire time, I'm just like, why, why can't I just do this? It's so easy. And, um, the interesting thing is a lot of times people will ask me like, what did you do all day? And I'm like, absolutely nothing. Um, which yes, it ties into me thinking that domestic labor is valueless and I don't appreciate myself for doing it. But the bigger picture is that whenever I do any kind of work, it's sort of invisible to me because I have like this very deep seated belief that I am lazy and I don't try hard enough, which is an internalized idea that I received through childhood. Like when I was a kid, no matter what I was doing, and I think a lot of people have this shared experience of like, you know, after going to school all day and doing your homework and you're sitting in front of the TV and your fucking Korean mom in that moment will walk in and like hit you with the broom and be like, you're so lazy. You know what I mean? Like the, the five minutes that you're like, tr- like not doing your multiplication tables or whatever, your mom is going to be like, why don't you get up and sweep and do the laundry? And so I think all through my throughout, throughout my entire childhood, like any second that I was like sitting down, not studying or not doing the, something for school or exercising or whatever, or cleaning, um, I was called lazy and I and as an adult that like manifests in this anxiety that I always feel that I'm just not doing enough and and then it really takes me a moment like these moments where I'm you know after I've done a bunch of domestic labor or I've done you know a few hours of whatever work on whatever thing that I have to be doing for money I'll be I'll keep thinking to myself, why am I tired? I haven't done anything. It's almost like this idea that I think that I'm lazy is so strong in my head that all the work that I do is invisible. And um, this whole realization came to me in therapy, like, you know, like so many other things. And it came about because I was talking to a friend about something that I overcame in my life and in my personality that was 
very difficult and took years of work in therapy where I had to really reformat the way that my mind worked. And my friend and I are very similar. And I'll explain to you uh, what part of my personality I'm talking about in a second. So this makes sense. My friend and I had very like similar personalities because we had very similar childhoods and very similar traumas. And I overcame this part of my personality that I could see was very harmful to me. And she asked me, you know, we were discussing it and she asked me how I did it. She was like, what, what, how did you like overcome this thing? I guess I'll tell you what it is. It's like the fear of confrontation. So I was having a discussion with my friend about confronting people because I used to be very, very bad at it. And what would happen was when somebody did something wrong to me, I would get so sad and so angry, but then I was terrified to confront them because, you know, throughout my childhood, I was punished whenever I stood up for myself. And so not only, you know, in my childhood, when I was harmed, did I feel sad and hurt, but when I confronted my parents or whoever was involved, even if it was like another child that I was fighting with, my parents would punish me for sort of disturbing the peace. And so now as an adult or, you know, before therapy, what would happen is if something, somebody did something bad to me, I would, I would like sort of uh, like rot in it, like dwell on it for days or like weeks and just sit at home just like so upset, losing sleep, getting so angry, getting so sad. And but then feeling like I was too afraid to confront that person. I had this like dread of confrontation and I didn't really understand what that was. And you know, these are adult confrontations that otherwise would just seem very you know, like annoying, but not that traumatizing. Like, for example, I'll just make a fake example. Like, let's say I had a neighbor and I had a parking spot and my neighbor would always park in my parking spot. And, you know, and then I would do something like scared, like just to avoid confrontation, like write a note on their, uh, on their like window windshield or whatever and then they would they continue to do it and then I'd be like oh my god now they're make like mocking me they don't take me and it would just turn into like this weeks long months long ordeal because I just couldn't go out there and be like hey this is my parking spot like I paid for it or whatever right I I don't know I, I don't really drive so I don't even know if people pay for parking spots but let's say let's say this is a this is a situation where you pay for a parking spot right um like, and then let's say I would say, oh, this is my parking spot. And that person would either be like, no, it's not. And I'd be like, yeah, it is. And here's, here's my paperwork. Or if they, if they did act like weird or, you know, they were not believing me, I could call the landlord or whoever I paid or whatever, right. And show them paperwork and it would get resolved. The worst case scenario, they yell at me, I call the cops or whatever, but it would get resolved. But most likely what would have happened is that person would have probably been like, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. And never parked there again. And then I would get my parking space back, you know, and, and, but I, I just, I couldn't get over that fear, that hump of what if they fucking freak out and I have to call the cop or whatever. Right. And I didn't fully understand what that dread was because 
all throughout my life, I would spiral about it. And then I finally confront the person. And 99% of the time it would be, oh, shit, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Here's your parking spot back. And then I was like, why was I fucking stressed out about this for fucking eight months? You know? Anyway, so that's just a fake example of like how I used to treat confrontation. And now I'm like, dude, are are you kidding me? I'm I'm looking for confrontation. I'm just like, oh, are are you even looking at my fucking parking spot, bro? Because I I, I like run out there like don't even think about it. Do you know what I mean? It's totally different. Even if some if somebody does something bad, I'll tell them right away. And I'll never think about it again, even if it's the worst case scenario. Like, like let's go back to that fake parking spots. And I'm, I'm really invested in this fake scenario at this point. Like, let's say, yeah, the worst thing happened. I'm like, this is my parking spot. They're like, fuck you, you're crazy. I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to call the cops. Cops come. Fist, they try to fist fight me. There's a viral video uploaded on Twitter. I uploaded it and everyone's calling them a racist. And I'm like, oh, my God, let's say that the, you know, DEFCON 5 happened that wouldn't even fucking bother me. And I'd be like, haha, look, I put them on Twitter. I don't give a shit. Literally fe- like five minutes later, I'd be, I'd be like sitting in my living room, like watching TV, like don't give a fuck. It just doesn't really sit with me anymore because in my, in my mind, I'm very, very secure in the fact that I know when I do something right and somebody's wrong. And if I get in a confrontation and I fu- tell them to fuck off or whatever, it does not bother me. And so my friend was like, how did you get from that point a where we both were and she unfortunately is still is and now to this point b where i just don't get, i'm just like if you're wrong i'll tell you you're wrong and i'll tell you to fuck off even when it's like i didn't even have to say fuck off i'm, I'm just gonna throw that in just because it's fun now right she was like how did you do that and i think both of us i was like i don't know i just do not know how i got to this point because i think she was asking me for like the answer as in one sentence you know like something that I would say and she would be like oh okay cool I'm gonna do that from now on and I also was thinking of it like oh it must be this one sentence that I learned one day and then after that day I I just did it and the truth was the how I got from point a totally terrified of confrontation to point b don't give a shit about confrontation could confront all day. I'll confront anyone's ass. I'll do it for you. If you need me to, if you need someone to yell at somebody about your parking spot, call me. Okay. So she was like, how did you get from point A to point B? What that took was years of fucking therapy, years of therapy, years of relationships, years of different romantic relationships, years of different professional relationships, uh, years of emailing um, a bunch of people, you know, with passive aggressive email, years of people doing shit to me that was fucked up and me being like, oh, what? Ye- like years of practice, practicing what I was, you know, learning in therapy. And literally, I could not see that I had been working on this for literal years because I do not see any kind of work or progress that I've done. It's invisible to me including the progress and work that I put into my own mental health well-being. Do you do you know what I mean? It's like the same thing over and over again. Like me being tired at 10 a.m. and being like, why am I so lazy? And not realizing I just spent four hours cooking three meals, doing laundry, <laughs> sweeping the floor, taking care of a child, taking him to school, going up and down the stairs, riding the bus. All of that stuff that is hard, de- like deletes itself from my brain. And so I'm left always thinking, 
I have to do more work because I haven't done any yet. And, and then judging myself for feeling tired all the time. And that was like a huge discovery that I made in therapy. And when I, you know, I asked my therapist, I was like, I told her about this incident where my friend asked me how I got over confrontation. And my therapist was like, dude, do you realize that that's literally what we've been working on for years? Like we've been talking about this, you know, you've been doing like homework. We, I talked to you through multiple like professional romantic friendship relationships where you had this fucking problem for years and little by little you fucking, you you fucking uh, crawled your way out of it. Like, and she was like, do you not, do you not see that you don't remember any of that? And and then it's like she was like pointing out things that she like different phases of my therapy where she was like, remember when you had this issue and we had to work on this shit for three months. She didn't say that. Obviously, she doesn't cuss at me. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I, I totally remember when you told me that uh, this thing and I f- fucking had to actually work on doing that with people for months. And then. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's, I just realized that like every other aspect of my life and all the other work that I do, this work is also invisible to me. And so I'm sitting here, you know, I was going to like call my friend and tell her, hey, I figured out what I did to change myself and heal my trauma, my childhood trauma of being deathly afraid of confrontation and you're not gonna like the answer to this but it was just like years of a lot of fucking a lot of fucking hard work and so that was like fascinating and it made me realize I do that to all as in all aspects of my life but here are all the bad things the detrimental things that are happening to me because I don't recognize my own work first of all whenever anyone asks me about anything you know, just like the example, my friend said, how did you get over this like psychological issue you had from a traumatic childhood? I said, no, like literally my answer was like, I don't know. It was just easy. I just like, I just did it. I just did it. And which is like confusing to her and not fair because then it just makes me sound like one of those like boomer people that are like you just gotta get up and do it you know what I mean and that's not actually the answer it was years and years of hard work it's gonna be hard work for her and anyone else that wants to change that about their personality so that's that's a bad point another bad point and it's it's something that happens a lot in stand-up comedy or doing podcasts because people will ask me now like how did you get to this sort of milestone in your comedy career or how did you get this done in your podcast, you know, because I'm interested in doing that too. And I will say something like, I don't know, it just happened. Like, I'm just lucky, I guess. Like, it fell into my lap. And a lot of people will hear that and just think, oh, she she's not really talented. It just things just got handed to her. Like, she was just at the right party or she was just, she just had the right friends. But the truth is that I put years and years of work into this, years and years of like going out every night, you know, and like recording like all the time and all these fucking emails and all these like things that I have to do to get even to this level. And and because that's all invisible to me, when people ask me, I'm just like, nothing. It just fell into my lap. And a lot of people are will take that as a cue to to sort of think of me as not as capable as I am 
And that was like really fascinating because I feel like I have struggled a lot with especially like, you know, male stand up comedians that will say things to me like, oh, you're on this show or you got this opportunity because you're an Asian woman and they needed diversity. Like that's something a lot of male, you know, white comedians say to me a lot. And that coupled with my, um, you know, like my like la da 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 attitude about it, where I'm like, I don't know, I just walked into a club one day and then I got my career. Like, they really think that of me already, and me, and if I say that, that's like me, sort of like, uh, like what's that called? Like making their assumptions true, right? And that's totally wrong. I worked so hard. I worked way harder than all of those guys. Also, I'm just funnier than them. But I, I'm sorry. I'm, I just hate people that say that to me just because I'm an Asian woman. But like, I worked so hard for this. And it's like, if I don't see it, and if I don't say it to people, like I worked really hard. Like I, I fucking sacrificed my fucking everything in my social life and like my romantic life to get here. If I don't say that, they're gonna think that like I you know, I literally am just talentless and I fell upon it. And I really have to like advocate for myself and be like, I just worked very hard and maybe I'm more talented than you, bro. I'm sorry. You know, maybe write jokes that are not about white guys can't say the N word. Maybe think about fresh material and maybe you'll get at my level. I don't know. Anyway. So like, I just learned this lesson. Like it's, it's this thing that I understand why I think that my work is invisible to me, but it's not really doing me any favors. And I have to learn to let that go and, and like openly proudly say I am where I am today because I worked very hard and I always work and I'm working all the time. I literally have never taken like a day off of not creating writing comedy or creating content. I can't remember the last time I went one day without writing something or creating content. I'm not even exaggerating. It's been years since I've taken one day off. And that's why, you know, a, a lot of that accumulated to where I am now. That being said, I don't I don't think that that's good. I don't think that's healthy and I don't think anyone should do it. And why the fuck do we live in late stage capitalism and why are we all expected to do it? We shouldn't nobody should do that. I'm like dying. I think I've slept like eight hours in the last three days. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, and then also I have to I have to be aware of the amount that I work and tell myself that so that I don't judge myself when I find myself absolutely fucking exhausted at 11 a.m. every day. Do you know what I mean? So I, I just came upon this like really big realization. I'm sorry if this is really rambly and I'm basically that was all I had to say about that. But I really do feel like this, you know, if you're somebody that struggles with constantly feeling like you're not doing enough, I would suggest, you know, doing what I do. I literally sat down and just listed all of the stuff that I did, like for the last five days. And I think you will be shocked at how much work you're doing. Um, I think, you know, like I said, the society is set up to make us feel like we always have to do more, more, more. You know, it's not it's not only my personal family history and how I was treated as a child that's making me feel like I'm not enough it is this entire society and I think if I think you know from what I've heard of all my friends that you know not even just my friends that are in comedy like my friends that live in New York just I feel like everybody has this like 
underlying anxiety that we're not doing enough. And I think, you know, if you're feeling that way, I think you should really know that it is not true. And maybe just take a fucking month off and go to Thailand. Because let me tell you, when I got back, I was like, holy shit, my life is so hard. (laughs) What? This is what I was doing for the last few years? This is nuts. And the day I got back, it was just fucking stacked with nonstop stuff, you know, child caretaking and all this fucking work. And I was really, you know, I'm really glad I did take a vacation because it took me, it gave me a minute to be like, holy shit, I'm, I do so much in a day. I'm surprised that I'm alive. My legs are sore. I don't know why. I, I don't know. So, yeah. So I guess that was like, that's literally all I wanted to say. I think, you know, I, I know a lot of people feel like they're not doing enough. Trust me, you are. You're doing a lot. Do the thing that I told you to do. Make a list of what you've done. Even today, I think you'll be very surprised. Um, and give yourself some time off. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I did do it. I took a month off. I was like, I'm not... I'm giving everyone advice that I'm not going to follow. I'm just kidding. Give yourself a day off because I feel like there's so many people now that we live in this internet hell, email hell that we just do not do that anymore. But like, I'm going to I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to do like once a week where I do not check my the internet or emails or work. I'm just going to be offline a day and then I'm just going to lay down and just stare at the ceiling and not think about it stuff because I feel like we all deserve it it's not going to be a day of the week let's let's be honest it's probably going to be like maybe two hours a week <laughs> um but that's like my advice to you like if you're feeling that way I hope this was helpful to listen to and hear um if you are suffering from the very strange uh, phenomenon of all your work looking uh, invisible to you I hope that was useful to hear if you're a mom or you know a dad or a parent and you're not seeing your domestic labor as actual work that you're doing on top of your other work. I hope this episode was helpful for you to hear. And I hope that made you feel better. Also, before I leave, I just want to say something about the confrontation thing. If you're interested in that part of the conversation I just had with myself about it, the if, that, if that's something that you're struggling with, you know, like I said, it you know, these huge things that are making you feel dread and making you feel unhappy or fearful or very sad, all these things, you know, it does take a lot of work in therapy. If you if you haven't done therapy, I know a lot of people would say that to me before I did therapy and I didn't understand what that meant, the work. Basically, it's like information, breaking down the reason why you act a certain way, and then ways to think about situations that are closely tied to reality versus your perception of them so the confrontation like that's what the work means but then once you learn why you behave a certain way you have to sort of put it in practice um, every time you you um, experience it in real life so for example the confrontation thing I had to like live through years of confrontation and adjust my behavior um, to closely match what I learned in therapy for a few years until that change came about in my head. So that's what that means by like doing the work in therapy, taking what you learn and applying it and exercising it in real life until it becomes, you know, a new pathway in your mind. And that's how you, your brain responds to things. And if there is no, unfortunately, no easy answer, if you are struggling with 
what I was describing about like the intense fear of confrontation, I think the, I think the, but I, I think the important thing to learn if you want to change that about yourself is you have to process why you are so afraid of confrontation. And a lot of that has to do with most people has to do with childhood trauma so if that's something you're interested in you should definitely um maybe seek out a therapist and um tell them that you want to discuss that because let me tell you once i did you know apply those thoughts and put them in practice when i was confronting people my life just got a million times better just like telling people how you really feel and when they hurt you telling them that 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 happened and letting that sort of rest and live with them and then after that being able to feel safe and calm and know that you were in the right and you stood up for yourself that is a very very good feeling and it's completely um changed my life and i'm so much more at peace inside my mind after i discovered how to do that so just some just like i i know that's probably something that's interesting for a lot of people because i know a lot of people struggle with that the fear of confrontation and if you are um you know therapy can really help you with that but unfortunately you have to go and you have to do it for like years before you like rewire your brain so that's the answer to that thank you very much for listening i'm sorry if it was a little rambly but i this is just something that's like been heavy on my mind and i know it's a very popular topic and i know that everyone i know basically Every adult working and living and parenting, you're struggling with this. So hopefully some of this was helpful. Please follow the podcast at on Instagram at Harry Butthole Podcast. You can follow me on social media at YM Mayor or Young Me Mayor on TikTok. And I'll see you next week. Thank you. Mm-hmm.